Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday, everybody. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Tracy, one of the things we talked about this week was Wilfred Voynich. Yes. I have an especial love of his story that is unrelated to anything about his story except for the fact that he was an antiquarian book dealer. Which is that for a long time, more than a decade, I worked in a university library. And I had originally been hired there to repair the book collection that was, like, circulating, uh, which I did a little too quickly. And then my boss was like, I can fire you or I can teach you how to catalog. And I was like, cataloging sounds great. Um, So then I became a cataloging assistant. And then our acquisitions, she's called the acquisitions librarian, um, did not have a library degree. So that's a little weird thing, right? Not everyone who works in a library is a librarian. But sometimes if you work in a library and people keep calling you a librarian, you get tired of making the distinction. So we have all accepted, <laughs> right? Where people would be like, here's Holly, she's a librarian. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a librarian. Um, but I took over the acquisitions role as well as doing cataloging assist at the time. And I did that for uh, eight years, I think. Mm-hmm. But I... One of my very favorite things was when our antiquarian booksellers would come and visit us and we would take them to lunch or sit and chat and they would talk about all of these beautiful volumes they had found. And so, like, those were some of my favorite people that I ever worked with. And sometimes I would end up calling similar people that we did not ever meet in person overseas, like, with the, you know, university credit card trying to make a deal for something for the collection. (laughs) Because, like, many universities, like, you have different focuses of what you're acquiring. Some of it is obviously like you want to make sure that the the school's curriculum is supported and that you have those materials coming in. You also want to make sure that you have enough sort of, um, I don't know, entertainment isn't the right word, but like, you know, popular literature and fiction and stuff coming in that the community also has like that aspect of just the library as an entertainment source. And then most... University libraries, at least at this time, I don't know how things have changed in the intervening years, would also have, like, their special collections. And so, you know, I would sometimes be on the phone with some of these people. And so uh, being like, hi, I'm in Georgia, and uh, there's a book in your catalog. We would like it. Um, Here's a lot of money, Uh, which was very uh, cool and fun and kind of thrilling. And so studying Voynich and his work in this space, just like, uh, it took me back to all of that so quickly because it was honestly something I really enjoyed. Um, And I, I definitely dealt with book dealers that had a very similar description to him of just being very winsome and like able to chat at length, very cultured, completely at home talking to just about anybody. And that was part of what made them good at their jobs was that they could talk about things like incunabula with people that didn't really understand what they were, but knew that they probably should be like looking at those as part of collection development. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a really wonderful selfish trip down memory lane for me in some regards. <laughs> That's so good. Um, yeah, I had not realized his involvement in the the revolutionary efforts in Russian-occupied Poland. I had definitely not known that his father-in-law was the father of Boolean mathematics. <laughs> so those were some fun little 
little things. And I really did get quite a kick out of reading the um the his file. Yeah. <laughs> the government investigation file, which you can literally find online. It's pretty simple to to find it all. It's some of the scans are like old school photostats, so they're a little fuzzy. Even though they've been scanned at a really high resolution, it's still just like degraded. Um, ink over time, but it's really, really fun to read, in some cases, this sort of exasperated tone mm-hmm. of various people in the military and in, as we said, the precursor to the FBI being like, no, we really have questioned this guy a lot. He's he's fine. You you don't need to be worried. Wait, he asked to travel back to England. Is this suspicious? It's really not suspicious. He's going to buy some books. That reminds me of the Cohen's Hell Pro episodes we did and how the opposite was happening, where the investigations were just continuing on forever, even though there was no evidence of a person, like a particular person being a threat. (laughs) Not quite how it went with Voynich. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely people who had that thing of like, I don't know, this still seems suspicious. And we'd be like, no, no, he really, he is legitimately an antiquarian book dealer. We checked him out. (laughs) I I love the whole like, this cipher is not, has no military use. <laughs> you you got to let this one go. Um, and there are cases, there are instances in several pieces of correspondence where the person writing the report is like, I consider this case closed, but then somebody else kicks it up again later and they're like, <sighs> what did I say? Go look at that document. Uh, it's pretty fun. Anyway, uh, that is Wilfred Voynich, who uh, I think he he gets a, a little bit lost as a figure mm-hmm. in relation to the Voynich manuscript. It's all about the book, but people don't realize he was just a dude who wanted it deciphered as much as anybody. <laughs> and also to sell it for a lot of money. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. It had been so long since we recorded the episode on the Voynich manuscript. But I think I think there was the Voynich manuscript episode. We did an actual update episode where, like, we replayed the old episode with new information attached to it. And then it's also come up in Unearthed, I feel like, many times. And I had forgotten that it was named after a book that, like, all that not in my (laughs) head anymore. Yeah. And if he had had his druthers, it would have been the Bacon Manuscript. But um, as a refresher, in case anybody forgot... It was eventually carbon dated, and the paper, the vellum, is from, I think, the 1400s. So it is too late to have been made by Bacon, even though that was where Voynich put it on the timeline. And it's, you know, who created it remains a, a question. Not there, there have been times over the years where people have been like, did Wilfred Voynich make this thing up? No. <laughs> <laughs> the the scientific evidence doesn't doesn't hold up on that one either. Will we ever solve it? Probably not. I keep meaning to make a fabric print out of images from it, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. So maybe over the holiday break, that's what I'll work on. Nice. So this week, our last new episode of the year 2020 was on scurvy. Scurvy. Yeah, I don't. It's so. Uh, it's not at all unprecedented for, like, a serious thing to become something that's thought of as more like a joke, but this is an example of that in terms of pirate jokes, especially. Yeah, I. it would be fascinating to track when it started to be funny. Yeah. And I'm putting funny in air quotes, but sure, like when yeah, people yeah. used it as a joke. Yeah. 
I don't, I still don't really know why my brain kept being like scurvy. Lisa don't have to worry about scurvy. Should I be taking a multivitamin? I did order some multivitamins <laughs> while I was working on this. <laughs> then you get into discussions of bioavailability and which multivitamin is the best one and... Yeah, it it was less specifically because of the scurvy episode and more because I was like, you know, I really, our, you know, our food is doing okay at our house still, but like I'm really not going outside and, and the sun helps your body make vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that might actually be a thing that I should be supplementing at this moment. Also, the seasons tend to affect me and I tend to do better when I have a little more vitamin D in the winter, so... Yeah, yeah, it was a whole saga that I had during scurvy research. I think about the vitamin D thing because, uh, one, I am not an outside kid. Um, mm-hmm. t- <laughs> I mean, I have done things outside. You know, I I did a lot of running for a long time, so I was always outside for that. Uh, most of the time, I'd prefer outdoor running to running on a treadmill. Um, but normally, if just left to my own devices, I have to remind myself, hey, you haven't even opened the door for six days. Like, I... And my last physical, my blood work did come back a little low in vitamin D, (laughs) which was well before the pandemic. But I need the reminder to, like, just go stand in the driveway for a little while or go take a drive with the the moonroof open on the car. Like, whatever. Just, yeah, I'm bad about it. Yeah. I, um, there was one time, it's been a couple of years ago at this point, I had gone to a conference and I was staying at a hotel that was adjoining the conference. And so for a period of, I think, three days, I did not leave the conference or the hotel in any fashion. And on day three, I was like, I feel bad. Why do I feel very bad? And I was like, I th- maybe I should go into the out of doors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that also gets into like the whole thing of like, building air circulation and, like, conferences where the same people are kind of shuffling from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. That, even without out-of-doorsness, has its own problems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, since this is our last episode of 2020, our last behind-the-scenes of 2020, Mm. uh, early Happy New Year to everybody. Um. (laughs) I guess this is actually, now that I'm looking at the actual calendar, the scurvy episode is coming out the 30th. Is this one coming out on New Year's Day? Is New Year's Day a Friday? You can tell how this pandemic situation has just worn down my brain parts. Yes. Because, yes, happy Friday, it's New Year's Day. Yeah. Uh, I love New Year's Day, as I've talked about before. Yeah. I'm a big believer. I like resolutions. I do them at this point kind of quarterly, but I just, I like that sense of like renewal of, okay, we're going to, we're going to start over. And I can't control what happens necessarily regarding pandemic and when I can go outside, but I can control how I react to it and what I do with my indoor time, of which there is a great deal. So much. Yeah. Um, I do want to note, since we're all here, um, I think folks have come to uh, be prepared for an unearthed episode to come out the first couple of episodes of the new year. The unearthed episodes are coming, but there's going to be a couple of other episodes first. Yeah. Uh, because you and I are going to take 
some very much needed time off. I think that's obvious by the tone of this episode and behind the scenes. Um, And I, because of the way that scheduling worked out, I did not want to lose essentially the entirety of December of unearthed stuff. So we're going to be working on that first thing in the new year. Yeah, so hopefully this day finds you well and safe. And may we all have a a brighter 2021 than 2020. Yeah. We hope that you are headed into a fun weekend if you follow a normal work week. Uh, If you don't, we still hope the next couple of days treat you well and that you are being safe and that uh, this strange time we're living in is is one that is not too arduous for you to get through. Uh, You can always write to us at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. We hope to hear from you and we will see you next week. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.